0: That's a sports ball. Sports ball coming to you from the mm, Sports Ball Studios. Studios.
1: You are now listening to the Small Walker Podcast.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast with your host, Wataki and Hoffman. How are you doing today, Andy? Doing fantastic. It's a beautiful Sunday. How what was your this? weekend, Hoffman? Oh, pretty great. It was, yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Very busy. I didn't get a chance to just slow down and rest or anything, but uh, went and saw a show, and I, I got I was to, there to come you out the at yeah. the end. Yeah. yeah, we got to see our, our friends Kira play. Um, I saw a few other bands that I wanted to see play or that fake are friends hole. of mine. Yeah, Fake Hole. Logan and
2: Noah, right? Yep, Logan
0: those and Noah. Those guys were awesome. We chatted mm-hmm. with them for a exactly. while. Super, super good nice guys. guys. And I'll be playing shows with them in the future. And Those guys are so nice. I could, If I had an 8-Arm Killer podcast, I'd talk all about them and stuff. I would have them on the show. Exactly. Such good guys. But we got to see Cure Play and their their first or their second song, they played our theme. Yeah. pretty for, cool. Uh, for those that don't know, if you didn't listen to our
2: early stuff, our, our early stuff, like we're some, some artists or something, <laughs> but our <laughs> early around, episodes. We've been Chiro, around a while, we're pretty... Hero uh, yeah. was the band that donated their some of their their recordings for us to be able to use when we when our podcast was in its infancy. Exactly. So we got to listen to those live, so that was cool. Yeah, it was really cool getting to hear the whole song.
0: Yeah, you know?
2: <laughs> with the lyrics, yeah. Uh, the lyrics, I'm, I'm glad we got instrumentals for the podcast, because I don't know that the lyrics necessarily would have
0: jived with our topics. I'll be honest, I don't know what the lyrics were. That's exactly <laughs> what I <yep.
2: laughs> it's just that
0: It's just that genre of music, you know. It's just that over and over again, and that's... I, some people banging. like it, some people don't, you know. It's a headbanging good time, man. It was, yeah. it was a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Anyways, that was your weekend?
2: You had you had well, a lot going that. on, right? No, well, no, not really. I did that and then Saturday I worked. My day job, yeah. Hey. This doesn't pay the bills, so <laughs> not yet. Not yet anyways. <laughs> Big things
0: coming. That's right. So yeah. So that's it. So you want to get into headlines Hoffman? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let's all uh right. I want to talk first of all about um did you get to do any research on the Trevor Bauer Fernando Tatis thing? I didn't, but why don't you educate me? Okay. So Trevor Bauer, pitcher for the the Dodgers, yep. gave up a couple home runs to Fernando Tatis Jr. He just returned, I think, this week or last week. And Tatis is a bit of a showboat and he kind of he kinda of showed off or he trolled and I'm using quotation marks after he hit his his homers like off a bad him. flip. Worse than that, really. Honestly, like while he was rounding first, he covered one eye as if like he'd do that with one eye. I don't know what that (laughs) meant. I'm not sure what that meant. And then the pirate, yeah, and then the second home run, he um, what did he do? Oh, Um, he hit it with one hand with like one arm, and it was like dead center. And he was like really fist bumping, you know, really celebrating and stuff. And then. Um. After the game, they asked Trevor Bauer what he thought about that. I guess trying to ignite some sort of rivalry or competition or some sort of animosity, controversy, controversy. Controvers- that's the that's the school I used to go that's to. the Public education. I have. <laughs> but he he was trying to. Uh, they were trying to kind of get some sort of um, animosity going, so they could have like a story, like future storylines yeah. i guess for for this rivalry and stuff and Trevor Bauer was actually pretty cool about it. He's the first pitcher i know of that was honestly just let it kind of roll off his shoulder and you know was like no i was fine with it, you know, i it was my mistake i gave him up and uh he hit him off me and good for him and i think the i think the league needs more of that and i think he's you know, right yeah, and he said he, even like earlier on in the the game I gave up uh I gave up this to this player and he celebrated a little and yeah, go for it. And he and he's got a good point because pitchers get away with it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they they celebrate and fist pump after they end an inning with a with a strikeout or whatever and they never get in trouble for that kind of thing. Nope. So, he's right, there's a bit of a double standard there and um I agree. What do you think, Wataki? You know. I, I, I think
2: Trevor Bauer gets it. Like that is what baseball is missing. There's no excitement in baseball. You can't, you can't have a game where some, where the greatest play in baseball is the home run, and that's kind of what you've predicated everything around anymore. Because it's mm-hmm. either a strikeout or a home run, which that's a whole other subject. But if you're gonna have it and it's gonna be that way, well, that guys celebrate. They celebrate, yeah. like they celebrate touchdowns in the NFL. Have right. fun with it. It's got to be exciting. It's got to be fun. You got to have this wild stuff. Uh, it's you know Trevor Bauer is the guy that when Joe Kelly threw at the Astros the, the first games of the season last year, and he made that pouty face and stuff and got tossed and got suspended. Trevor Bauer went out and had cleats made that said custom cleats made that said "Free Joe Kelly" on it. <laughs> And then he had shirts on, shirts yeah. made, where you could go buy a shirt that said Free Joe Kelly, and it's got the pouty face. Yeah. And if, you know, then you we bought the shirt, you were entering a raffle to win his cleats. Like, Trevor That's Bauer cool. gets it. He gets that. It's got to be fun. To get the younger kids into it, you got to be fun. You got to have a little trash talk. You can't, you can't be like golf, where it's like, I don't want to hear any noise in my backswing. Right. Oh, some, somebody's camera went off during my backswing, and now they're ejected from the thing, like, have a little fun with a game of baseball for the love of everything and for it to be a guy like Trevor Bauer giving up the home run and a guy who's one of the younger faces of the of major league baseball and Fernando Tatis Jr. That's exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like have yeah, that guy should be the face. If he's going to be the face of your sport or one of them, yeah, have him doing stuff like that. It's exciting. It gets people talking about it. Not just on the local level where it's the rivalry out in California of the Padres versus the Dodgers, you know what I mean? Because that's why they're trying to create it out there is because they're two teams close to each other. Right. But on a national level, you know what I mean? That kind of excitement, that kind of back and forth is stuff that baseball needs. And Trevor Bauer gets it. And he, and he basically came out and said that. And so I support him 110%. He's right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's really, really cool. So Now, you have a little bit more insight on this, but... Um... The guy that we just made a trade for, with the Red Wings, uh, Verena, he just scored four goals. Four goals in a game against Dallas. That's That's, awesome. The last person to do that
2: was the guy that we got rid of for him, Anthony Mantha, back uh, October 6, 2019, I believe it was. And Mantha, Isermans had a four-goal game, Fedorov had a four-goal game, and a five-goal game. Holy cow! Yeah, Fedorov was a legend. Why his numbers not yeah. hanging from the LCA banners is beyond me. It's and it's beyond time.
0: I'm gonna Wikipedia him right now because I think he. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he won a cup with us in the early days. Like, yeah, he uh, did. Like ninety seven or something. So,
2: it, it, but that's so like he got. He put four goals, and he's on the first line with Phillips and Dean. and now Michael Rasmussen. Because Dylan Larkin's out with a season-ending injury, and you know, I was kind of, I was kind of worried. Like, you really did get rid of one of your, what I thought was going to be a foundational piece in Mantha. But I was like, all right, you know, you got quite a bit for him. You know what I mean? But when your line is like those three guys, and you don't even have Dylan Larkin, and you bring in a guy like Asim makes a move like that, it makes me think, even Dylan Larkin's expendable at this point. Yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if next year around this time they dealt Dylan Larkin too, because yeah. his numbers aren't that great. No, but they that's aren't. but he's a Michigan boy, so you well, know. yeah. Oh, but that's that's the thing I hate. So it was Justin an ablocator, and we signed him to this atrocious contract, and it's just he wasn't worth it. And it's like, right. and that's what I like about Steve Eisman was he was brought into, I'm not here to be your friend, I'm here to win cups. Right. So I don't care what your ties are to Michigan. I don't care if you grew up watching the Red Wings and you live in Metro Detroit. If you're not producing at the level we need you to, you're gone. I'm not, yeah. I'm not your friend anymore. Like Ken Holland, I think, towards the end was trying to be everybody's friend. And that's not the way to go about things.
0: Right. I kind of like the 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 shuffling of the cards, for lack of a better term, as far as like, okay... This lineup doesn't didn't work for us last year, so shuffle the cards. We you know, let's try a whole new lineup with, with the Red Wings. You know, it's just it's like um I don't know, like go fish, just or Uno or whatever, or something on a really basic, simple level, just. Just give me a whole new set of cards and let's give it another try. Exactly. This didn't work. Let's try something different. And that's what you have as a GM.
2: That's what you have to be able to do. You can't get locked into a thing where it's like, okay, this isn't working, but we're going to stick with him.
0: Yeah. That, I I hate I, that. And I get you I can't get force it that. to work as a GM. Right. Exactly. Shuffle the cards. Do the same thing with the Pistons. Okay. This isn't working. Let's, get, let's mix it up. And it's something I think the Lions are guilty of not doing is they, they don't mix up the cards enough. They no, don't make they enough don't. trades or moves or draft picks. It's always just like they kind of rely lie on the draft picks every year and hope that they're going to get two or three guys that are going to come in and just save the save the team. Yeah. And it never works. So moving on. Moving on.
2: Uh, the big news of this past week, Hoffman, which is all over the headlines and everybody probably already knows, not really, not really breaking anything. But LeBron James tweets out picture of a cop who shot a black young girl. She was 16. Mia Khalif, I believe her name was. <laughs> shot and killed her. He tweets out her picture and says, You're next with an hourglass. But the, the whole context of the story is this little girl was going well, she's not little, if you look at the pictures. She was going she was in the process of attempting to stab. With a large knife, another girl.
0: Now, when you first brought this up to me, I, I kind of cringed because I thought, oh man, here we go, going into like this, like social justice and the you know. I know I uh, try to stay out of it, the but... politics and the headline news that has nothing to do with sports. But I understand what you're talking about, and this is where I really, I applaud you for bringing up this the subject on the the show because. Um, Exactly what you said. So you you laid out the whole scenario, the whole situation, Mm -hmm. and the cop shot the young lady. He had, yep, he pulled up, he had nine seconds to decide.
2: I watched the video. He had nine seconds to decide. The girl comes out chasing another girl with a knife. The girl that's being chased trips, and so she turns around and she goes to stab this other girl leaning up against the car at about neck height. And that's when he pulls out his gun and he shoots her. This all happens. Bang, bang, bang. He walks out. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? And then he just sees her lunging at this other guy with a knife,
0: shoots and kills her. Now, for anybody who's unaware, that's what cops are supposed to do. Shit. Okay? You're you're supposed to keep people safe. And if there's somebody wielding a weapon in any other scenario, that police officer shoots the person. Right? Yeah. If, okay.
2: If the people at the the two girls fighting or the three girls that were there are all white, he shoots the girl with a knife. If he's black and they're all black, he shoots the girl with a knife. I, this is, it's not, well, they're trying to push that race narrative, and LeBron James kind of buys into it, and he's got this huge platform on Twitter, on Instagram, on everything, and I don't think it's
0: warranted in this situation. And this is where, so I'm a bit of a LeBron apologist. I'm guilty of it, but I agree with you on this because this is where I feel like there's a little bit of not it's diminishing it to say like the boy who cried wolf, but as a person who's a mega star, a superstar like LeBron James to use your platform and your power and your influence to kind of get behind this and say that officer's next or time's up or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. get what you're trying to say. Um, but it doesn't work in this situation. It doesn't, and that's you know? and you're going to lose. Like as your power as an athlete and a, a, a being in the media and a basketball player, that's who you want to be. You lose your credibility.
2: Yeah, you keep you know? if you keep doing that over and over again. You're right. You're going to lose your credibility, and and I think it speaks to the point, Hoffman, that it's an individual basis. Like this is this isn't the one. Right. George Floyd and Derek Chauvin, yes. Different scenario. That's a totally different scenario, but everything should be judged on an individual basis. We shouldn't be painting everything with the same brush. Every scenario, every police officer, every black person, everything should not be... Everything is an individual scenario with individual people. And if you can't look at it through that lens,
0: you're going to make mistakes like this. And like you said, if if the police officer were black and the girls were white, he wouldn't be talking about it. Mm-hmm. And if that, you know, or if everybody in the scenario was white, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't be talking, talking about, about it. it. If everybody was black, Probably we, wouldn't we wouldn't be talking, talking about, about it. it. But because there's a, a white cop, a white cop and, um, a black suspect perpetrator, victim, whatever, whatever you want to say yeah. there, the, we have a discrepancy, and now we're so police officers are expected to draw their guns back and wait. Don't just, just because of how this is going to look. Get
2: stabbed. I mean, come yeah. on. Like,
0: then where does it where does it lay? You yeah, know. Yeah. So just, he would have been. A, they would have been in better standing if they didn't do their job and draw their gun or protect that's, what was going on.
2: That's a dangerous way of thinking, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Right. George Floyd, we can all get behind that. Mm-hmm. I get it. That was yeah, that absolutely. was an injustice, uh, something like that that happened. That's totally get it. Um but LeBron has to, you know, kind of understand his place and it's he has a lot of influence in in the world and mm-hmm. in his community and I get that you want to you want to impart that and I respect it. But a situation like this he's not analyst he he's a basketball player and he clearly didn't do his research or or look into the situation and he just heard of another shooting and so he got behind it and what that's doing in in my opinion in my opinion is you're harboring victim culture yeah and it's based solely on race you know a black person got shot by a cop you embrace it and you're next yeah you know it's out of bounds as I far as I'm so. concerned. And I I love LeBron James as an athlete and as an ambassador for his community and the things that he does outside of basketball, but mm-hmm. something like this, I... Yeah, I don't know what's can't get behind. Before we go, Hoffman,
2: into our second segment, though, I do want to have a moment of silence. For a man who once got busy in a Burger King bathroom, a man who... <laughs> Brought us the Humpty Dance.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Can I have a moment of silence for Mr. Shock G?
0: Thank you. We'll be right back after this short break with more of the Small Market Podcast where we discuss who's on the Mount Rushmore of the worst Detroit Lions draft picks. Stay tuned. We're Tucky here from the Small Market
2: Podcast, encouraging you to support those who support us. Visit Heather & Holly in downtown Midland, 228 East Main Street, for your finest chocolate needs. Also, visit Good Sense Coffee at GoodSenseCoffee.com. Listeners, use promo code SMALLMARKET at checkout to get 10% off your purchase.
0: Welcome back to the show. Wataki, we're still we still hanging in there? We're, we're still, still hanging good. in there. We're still recording. We're still good. good. We're still recording. We're still hanging in there. We're still producing the show. We got our producer here. We got James walking through. You know, <laughs> we got the D.A.T. walking through. It's uh, it's That's part and brewing. Going into the showers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I want everybody to stick around for the third segment of our show because we have the second half. Of our interview with the world's strongest man <laughs> Sexual chocolate hey, You think you're going to wait for me to say that <laughs> That's right <laughs> Mark Henry WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry is, Was kind enough to talk to us uh, Last week So the first half of the interview Was on last week's episode The second half of the interview Will be on this week's episode That will yep. be our, our third segment Yep so yep very excited about having him on the show and just uh yeah he was so cool oh yeah it was really really cool and uh later on what is it, maybe next week we'll have the entire video of the interview yep i'll have that up uh well hopefully by next monday if not
2: earlier we'll have the entire video interview all one segment that you can go check out on our youtube channel awesome. small
0: market podcast and keep checking our youtube channel because we're and we're growing in subscribers it's like rivaling 8-Arm Killers' YouTube channel. Whoa. So, a little scary. I need to put yeah. in some more work yeah, I feel, with 8-Arm Killer. I feel maybe I'm taking you too much away from the 8-Arm <laughs> Killer work. It's all right. It's all good. It's, I, we're on the same team. Same so. team. That's right. It's not a competition, right? No.
2: It's not a pie. It's it's an infinite. It's That's infinite.
0: Right. It's if. There's, it, plenty, there's plenty to go around. As the rock says, there's plenty of pie to go around for everybody, That's right? That's right. You smell what the Hoffman that, is cooking. It's right. <laughs> Anyways, it, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I don't even know where I'm <laughs> at anymore. Well what I wanted to say there's so much to plug, you know, but on the YouTube channel also we've got uh you just uploaded the entire um, Great Kelser. Kelser interview I will also by next week have the entire Jim the Rookie Morris interview up there so it's going to well, be cool. a lot of good content going up good, yeah we've got a lot of good stuff going up there And so if you, you're into video and podcasts and what you know seeing Wataki and I sweat while we're talking to these amazing guests you got to check out the YouTube channel yeah. so putting a lot of work into that and, and building that up for sure Right now, we wanted to talk about, and this is genius, I thought, Wataki.
2: Well, the draft is coming up this Thursday. That's right. The day after this episode is released,
0: so. That is correct. And I, I was thinking we'd just do a regular, we're on this Mount Rushmore kick. We are. I don't know how we got there, but we're there. But we're there. And um, I thought we would just do another one of like, oh, Pittsburgh or whatever. You came up with the idea of let's do a Mount Rushmore of... The Lions' worst draft picks through the history of mankind. And I I hail to you. This was amazing. Thank you, Amazingly awesome. genius. Thank you. Yes. Sometimes things just come to me. Every once in a while, one of us mm. has a really good idea. Good to, like, the five or ten that we usually throw <laughs> yeah. at the wall through the week. One so. of them sticks, yeah. That's right. Okay, so who's the first guy on your Mount Rushmore of... Of uh, Detroit Lions' worst picks, and why is it Dylon, 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 and Dylon? <laughs> All right, Hoffman, here we go. Number four, I take Eric Ebron. Really? Okay. I didn't have him on mine. You did Eric Ebron. So that's, that's Eric good. Ebron
2: in the 2000, 2014 NFL draft, and I picked Eric Ebron because he was taken with the number 10 pick. And I just feel he, he was a relatively... He, was he on, our first overall pick? He was our first overall okay. pick that in that year. But So let me read you the next three picks directly after Eric E. Run, directly okay. after we took a tight end at the number 10 spot. Number one, I just don't believe you need to take a tight end, probably even in the first round.
0: Preach on, young man. I was going to say the same thing. I just, I just don't thing. see that. And I know yes. we did it with... Uh, who's the new guy we got? I
2: can't think of his name. Anyways, doesn't matter. Oh uh, TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson, that's Yeah, I, I, he's good. Don't get me wrong, they're good, but I feel like you can get a guy comparable in the second round. So you just you just don't take a tight end in the second round. But if you but listen to these picks directly after, and I mean directly after your 12th, and thirteenth round picks or picks of the first round. Number eleven,
0: Taylor Luan. Oh man. Michigan guy. I love Taylor LeJuan. Yeah,
2: no, Number 12. This one, if you liked Taylor Lewan Hoffman, you're going to love number 12. Number 12 is probably the one that really irks me. Number 12 is Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr.? Yes, we passed on Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, and I get, my God. I get we probably needed a wide receiver. I believe we did because I believe you had... I think he had Charles Rogers go down with injury. I'm trying to think. But mm. it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you needed. If Odell Beckham Jr. is sitting there, you take Odell Beckham Jr.
0: In hindsight, right? In yeah. hindsight, yeah.
2: yeah. And then number 13, Aaron Donald. Oh,
0: gosh. Those are like... That's what Taylor I'm saying. Mo- These are
2: all hall of, probably going to be Hall of Fame yes. players. Taylor Ma- Ma- on.
0: Taylor Mouan, Odell Beckham Jr. And, oh, my God. Wow, it, that's... And Aaron Donald. I just, and Aaron Donald. I'm just, those are all franchise players.
1: Yeah.
2: And we were just like, hey, let's pick up a tight end. Who's not even with us anymore.
0: <sighs> Eric Ebron. Yeah. Who then uh, went on to... Didn't he go to the Cleveland Browns, or did he go to Indiana? He went, he went to, to Indianapolis, Indianapolis, and now Pittsburgh. And like, he... Right. And he trash-talked us. In oh, Indiana. yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
2: on top of it... On top of it, not only does he right. not play here, but he actually just hates the city of
0: Detroit, its fan base, and the Lions as a whole. And he trash-talked, uh, you know, his former employer. That's a, that's a, like, professional thing that you just don't do anyways. Yeah, this... There's just a lot of bad vibes from that from yeah. that guy in that pick. So I should have put him on mine. Who okay.
2: is your number four?
0: Oh, I've got some good ones. I, well, let's stick with the uh, the tight end trend and say Brandon Pettigrew. Oh. A guy who I never saw catch a ball his entire career in Detroit. But I thought Pettigrew was a decent tight end. He was a big guy. He was a, What got him a lot of like hype and praise is that he was a, a big dude. He was about the same size as like Calvin Johnson, probably a little bit more muscle on him, a little bit more frame on him. And so he got a lot of hype. But Pettigrew, I, he just wasn't as agile, wasn't. Uh, and I, that's maybe unfair to compare him to Calvin Johnson because the guy's a freak and he just, and he's a Hall of Famer now, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> Pettigrew, Clint, I, I never saw the guy catch anything. And then when it came to just, okay, we're going to make you a blocker, you block, you know, which would have been ideal. He mm-hmm. he wouldn't block anything. Yeah, no, I get you. All right, then, Hoffman.
2: I'm going to move on to my third pick for the Mount Rushmore of Detroit Lions' worst NFL draft picks. And I'm going to go to the 2008 NFL draft, and my pick is, where in the hell is my... There it is. Number 17. I'm like, <laughs>
0: where? Is, where's, I had him right here. This is an S show of a... Yeah. this, this <laughs> Of this, a segment. This,
2: this segment will take heavy editing.
0: That whole first segment, flawless. flawless. It was like legendary. This
2: is a effing train wreck.
0: <laughs> and we were
2: so excited about it. I know. I love. I was like, oh, this is going to be golden. And it still will be. I'm just going to spend the rest of my life editing it. So it'll be out Friday after the draft. <laughs> right. In the 2008 NFL draft, The Lions Select, number 17. Gosder Cherlis. Gosder Cherless. Yes. The fact that I can't pronounce his name, and the fact that you've probably never even heard of him if you're a casual fan,
0: is why he's number three. And because I'm a super fan, a super Detroit Lions fan, or ex-Lions fan, (laughs) because I don't even care what they do anymore. Gosdor Chairless, I do definitely you remember, remember Gosdor Chairless. Offensive Wasn't he a tack. guard or he was tackle? offensive tackle okay. out of Boston College.
2: I just, He has pick, a cool name. Three picks later, to Tlaib went at <sighs> cornerback. Think of all the cornerback problems we got right now. Oh, my
0: Lord. I just... to Tlaib, we missed out on him, yeah, but we... Jordy Nelson open. was down
2: after. Matt Forte, you don't have a running back. Damn it, Hoffman, you don't have a running back.
0: Those are the kinds of things that break your heart. It's when you look at the, the players that went after the guy, the bus that we picked up.
2: Barry Sanders retired in 1999. You haven't had a, a running back since. In eight years, you haven't had a decent running back, and you, you
0: whiff on like a Matt Forte. You could have taken at 17? I on purpose neglected running backs for this Mount Rushmore because I thought, man, we could have done a Mount Rushmore of just running back lines with. So you, running backs. you could, you could yeah. have but like, this was like, my forte is a guy they didn't even take because they took you guys
2: are chairless yeah exactly so so that, that might be a segment later so, right <laughs> so that's my number three Hoffman who do you select at number three
0: so we're going from like worst Four, pick to, to, to okay yeah, to, my to, next well, one like, and it's, it's only because he's a midland guy is Jeff Backus whoa Jeff Bacchus.
2: I thought Jeff Bacchus was okay.
0: We always needed... Was like he a, a first-round pick? Do you know? Do you yeah, remember? I believe he was number one overall, I thought. Or not overall. Oh, but Jesus he was God. a number... I thought he was our, our first pick. I'll have to check. Oh, out. no. I, you're, you're right. You're right. I think he was. He was a number one? Okay. So, Jeff Bacchus, I remember... Yeah, he's from Midland. Wanted to root for the guy. Missed so many blocks. Just your job is to block and keep people from from getting to the quarterback and big dude just couldn't do it just couldn't do the job and uh I met him once young my sister and I both met him when we were like we were much younger it was at like the SFSU training camp mm-hmm. and this kind of gave me the impression that he's probably not a super bright dude <laughs> He's at the SVSU training camp. Well, no, no, no. It was it, it, all the lines were there, well, yeah, I mean, I know. Barry Sanders nice. and stuff. But he was uh, he was signing autographs, very nice of him. And it wasn't like he was talking to anybody, he just he stood there at the gate, just like, like a solid wall, just stood there. And people would kind of occasionally come up because they're like, I think that's Jeff Backus, <laughs> yeah, because he's wearing Jeff Backus's jersey, but he just stood there. Stone fit and didn't talk nothing. Just stood there waiting for people to come up and ask him for an autograph. Huh. And they had to come up and like actually ask him or whatever. So my sister's like, "There's a player right there. Should we get his autograph?" This is the one time she went to an SVSU you know practice with me. I yeah. went like religiously. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. But one time she went with me and she's like, "I think that's a player. Should I? You want to get his autograph?" And I said, "Yeah, it's Jeff Backus. You go. You, just, you go get his autograph. Okay? You could just hear the disappointment in your voice, Hoffman. And she was like, she's like, okay, all right. So she went up, and it took longer than it needed to. So I thought, like, oh, maybe Jeff Backus is flirting with my sister or whatever. And she came back, and I'm like, what happened? Like, was he flirting with you? No, he wasn't. He, I, she said. I walked up, and I like held out the the newspaper. For him to, you know, with him on it, it was like the training guide, media guide, with him on the cover of it to sign it, mm-hmm. and and he said, yes. And she's <laughs> like, would you would you mind signing it? Like she had the marker out and yeah. the media guide, and and uh, she said, may I have your autograph? And then he goes,
1: oh. So then Jeez, he signed man. it and gave it, and
0: I'm like. That's seriously what happened? She goes well, Yes. I had to a- I had to actually a- ask him. Like he just stood there like a soldier and not know like like he didn't know what he was there for. And like <laughs> so everything after that always made sense. Every time he missed a block, every time he missed an assignment, and like Like this guy's a st- mouth breather. Yeah, yeah. it's Jeff Baggis. So yeah. <laughs> But he's you know. I All really right. wish we had a better example from Midland. Who's your number two? <laughs> it's going to be hard to follow that off. I mean, That's You had one hell of a story in there He probably should have really, been my number one Because of that really, whole long winded uh, thing
2: You really had a case laid out for that I did Okay So with my number two pick I have the Detroit Lions selection Of Mike Williams As the number ten overall pick in the first round Wide receiver out of USC And that's it's not because Mike Williams was relatively a bust It's because the Lions quarterback was Joey Blue Skies, oh, Joey Harrington. Yeah. It was his third, time in, third year in the league. They had just finished up, yada, yada, yada. At the 24th pick, the Green Bay Packers selected... No. You know who I'm talking about, don't
0: you?
2: Oh, no. a, a. Ron Rogers.
0: Oh, oh my Do God.
2: Do you realize with that pick, the course of history, History could have been changed. Think of the amount of quarter of wide receivers that were nobodies that you could have that Aaron Rodgers has made that he could have been making those nobodies, somebodies on your team.
0: I could have been rooting for Aaron Rodgers for the last like fifteen years. You probably would have had a Super Bowl, Hoffman.
2: Like I get that they didn't have anybody at wide receiver and they needed to get one, but. You not if you have Aaron Rodgers you don't need anybody at wide receiver. He just makes people. Jordy Nelson is not Jordy Nelson if he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Do you get what I'm saying? True. Yeah. So, with that said, who is your number 2 Hoffman? Charles Rodgers from Saginaw. I Wow, that's a, that's a good pick. I mean, that guy was literally the top receiver in the Big 10 coming out of Michigan State.
0: He was. He was, but Charles Rogers had so... Oh, man. If you ever watch the... There there were, like, documentaries on that draft that year because there was, like, a bunch of really, really big picks, Mm -hmm. and Charles Rogers was highly touted, but any time they cut Charles Rogers, he was just... You could tell he was, like, the biggest delinquent ever. Like, he had a terrible attitude. He was... You could have told, like, you could have seen from a mile away how this bad this gonna, pick was going to be, how badly this was going to turn out. The red flags were there.
2: His, I want to say, it was his senior year. I so I ran track, and I didn't run track against him because I was distance, obviously. But we were the same age. He, we basically central to run against Saginaw High. Charles Rogers would be there, and he'd be mm. running hundred meters. He wasn't at one of the meets because he was stabbed in the back by one of his ex girlfriends. Like the red flags were there with it. This guy had huh. some off the field issues, like a whole life off the Big field. Time. And maybe it's just where he was growing up and he can't control it. But there was just, you could tell that if he wasn't going to try to separate himself from the neighborhood, those issues were going to come following him. Mm-hmm. And they did. And the injury, and that compiled with the injuries, made him a huge bust. Because he was one of the top receivers, not just in the Big Ten, in the in the entire college in oh, entire, yeah. the entirety of college football coming out. Exactly. The whole draft. He was He was what? the number one wide receiver coming was, out.
0: Was it was was he number two overall, Wataki we'll or no? Ah, I don't know that off the top of my head. No, he was but a big, he was... pretty highly touted recruit and I, I think he yeah, he went pretty high in the draft and people were expecting a lot out of him. I it's funny that you said that he you ran track against him mm-hmm. because I had another friend who that's all he talked about. Was <laughs> and track against This Charles guy Rogers. was this, he was this kind of big, heavy set guy, and we always teased him, and he's like, Yep, yeah, he used to run track against Charles Rogers. Yeah, they're like, that's a that's a very No, you vague, didn't. That's a very vague statement. But we're like, No, you didn't. No, you, yeah, yeah, the size, you know, Saginaw, I, that was my, uh, was my division. I used to run track against Charles and. You know, I'd win some, he'd win some. We're like, no, you didn't win any against <laughs> Charles Rogers. And he'd be like, yeah, but it'd be cool if I did. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. it's. Enjoy that
2: entire Billy Madison Never route.
0: happened. Never happened. You'd, you might have ran but against you know what him. Be like. Right. Well, I want you to know. Well, what do you think it'd be like if I did and I beat him and we were like friends and we go have beers <laughs> afterwards and, you know. All of our girlfriends would stab he, each other. Be know, like just like, what do you think it'd be like if we you know, if I had some chips with Charles Rogers and you know, had some chips and Gatorade with him? It'd be really cool. What are you talking about, dude? You didn't, you, you <laughs> never no. You didn't beat him. You never beat him. He beats your ass every time. That dude okay, won in
2: the Saginaw Valley in every event he was in, like almost every year. We had a guy yeah. that was our Scott Mackey who ended up playing football for Grand Valley. Who was our fastest guy, and he he was close to the speed that Charles Rogers had. But it was just going in; you just knew. I think right. Stuart Schwagert was in that class yeah. of, in so it was like Saginaw Heritage, Heritage had Stuart Schwagert. We had Scott Mackey, and Saginaw High had uh, Charles Rogers, and, and those three were the three yeah. fastest people in the entire valley at the time. Like going into a meet, you know it was going to be though it was going to be your top three. Now which position they ended up in, you know, you never really knew. Most of the time right. it was Charles Rogers was number one. I think Mackie ended up edged him out once or twice.
0: And Stu ended before. up having a better career than than Charles did. Than Charles did, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. I mean Yeah. And I've I've met Stu a few times and kinda like worked for him and very cool guy actually. Stu yeah. Schweiger was really, really cool. Anyways, Charles Rogers He's your um, number two. That's my number two. Who's your number two? Well, I gave you my number two. Now oh, you did. I'm sorry. Now I'm moving on okay. to
2: my number one. Yeah. My worst draft pick in Detroit Lions history, and you don't have to go that far back, Hoffman. I'm talking about last year's draft pick, number three overall to the Detroit Lions, Mr. Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State. Cornerback. That's right, folks. A cornerback taken at number
0: three. Wow. In the NFL draft, number, Contro- number three controversy right here it, coming makes, straight out of the what controversies. Makes that so bad because he's only got one year under his belt, and he's only played nine games.
2: He's your number three pick. He's he only made it into nine games. He has one interceptions, one interception, one interception, and <laughs> in forty
0: seven tackles. Make, make it plural. He's only had one season. He's had one interceptions. And four, and 47 tackles, Hoffman. He's played
2: just over half your games. Come yeah. on. He's got a long way to go. That should not have been a number three pick. Everybody in the NFL knows it. That's the pick that when you have a fantasy draft and you pick somebody that should not have gone in that round and everybody kind of snickers, but no one says anything to you. That's what all the other GMs in the league did when they, when they were like, the Lions wow. select Jeff Okuda. And everybody just starts rolling. Justin Herbert. Yeah, was after him. I, right, uh, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy was after him. Like, there's guys that have put a lot of
0: this is where, Edward,
2: Clyde edwards Hilaire Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, there's guys a, that
0: have already produced guys that we needed. It would have been and nice. Guys, yeah, you're, guys you're guys smart. It needed. would have been nice to get like Herbert and have him like train under a year under Stafford. Stafford oh, then man. like he'd be like he would be you know league ready right now. We he is Lee, what he, ready right now for he the is charge, Lee, ready imagine right what he is now. And he didn't even, he, he didn't have, like, some that, like, defies my whole theory of, like, you know, draft a guy to kind of, like, to be, train under to somebody, train under yeah, somebody yeah. for, like, a, at least a year, like mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers had, like, you know, Alex Smith and Brett Favre to kind of watch for a year. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert didn't need that, and that's probably what makes the guy so impressive. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. So what mm-hmm. makes him so impressive is that they're, like, Lee-ready. They're ready to get... They're, they're athletically gifted, and didn't, they don't need any kind of tutelage or anything like that. They are ready to go. Yeah. Um, and we passed up on him for Jeff Akuda. To me, Jeff Okuda is, like, too small to be a DB. I... Uh, like if you had asked me in the first place, I would have said he doesn't pass the eye test to me. And a yeah, fantastic, legendary college in a but corner, we're, we're but it
2: in your in your conference, it's Ohio State and everybody else in conference. Exactly. So it's like,
0: what's the competition like right. that he's
2: played against? Agreed. I
0: mean, there's a lot of, but I probably would I probably would have said the same thing about Jerry Judy. Like to me, the only guy that was, you know that uh, was worthy of draft in top 10 would have been Chase Young cuz the dude's a beast like well, yeah you you know you can pick him up yeah, but he hell had. yeah you know yeah. they you, didn't
2: get that opportunity though, no they didn't get that two. opportunity so I but I, I, them,
0: all I'm but. saying is that like as far as like guys that were in the draft last year to me Chase Young is that's an NFL player mm-hmm. and then everybody else was like ah eh, we'll see how the how the pieces fall if they're willing to work then they'll pan out Right. But I don't know that they you know even Justin Herbert and you know Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and all these guys, like so yeah. Okay, so Who is he was number your number one? one. My number one, I'm kinda of proud that you didn't you didn't pick there this wasn't one and I didn't
2: laughing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that we had. I, no as far overla- as I know,
0: unless you pick somebody that I've already picked, but and the- we didn't, uh, we didn't discuss this. That is, folks. That is a
2: testament to how bad the draft picks have been for the Detroit Lions. I'm almost, I'm almost proud of how bad
0: they've been. Preach on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I <I'll, I'll laughs> defer to you for the number one. <laughs> my number one is Titus Young. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I did. This is why I do the the podcast G- with you, Hoffman,
2: and G- not G- anybody else I know. Off.
0: Yeah, just dust your shoulders off. That's, that's a guy that she... I can't believe you didn't pick him. Even I, at your number three, man. Dude, there was just, there was so much to comb through. My head hurt. Oh, this is a guy that had crimes, violence, <laughs> truck stops, truck stops and gunshots and house robberies and, and, and what do you play for Oregon and traffic stops in Oregon and no reason to have all the, Stuff go on, and this wasn't stuff that happened to him. This is stuff that he actively pursued and just, just got himself screwed up and... away an NFL career. Oh, God, man,
2: that's if that ain't the Lions in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> the Lions are Titus Young in a nutshell. They just
2: well, yeah, they just they have every opportunity to do better, and they just throw it away.
0: As I take another swig of bourbon. <sighs> Right off. Are are you ready to wrap up this segment and take us into the third segment? Yes, sir. So in our final segment, we're bringing you the second half of our interview with the world's strongest man. Sexual chocolate. Mark Henry. WWE Hall of Famer. That's my favorite part because I'm a sucker for Hall of Famers. this is I think he's our... No, he's our third? second Hall of Famer well, we that we've Park, ever had on the program. Yeah, he was our first one. We
1: didn't have another one other
2: than that. I thought we had, in some obscure sport like curling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you're, you're, you probably, yeah, you know, I think you're right too. WWE hall of, hall of Famer, this is
0: our second Hall of Famer, yeah. WWE Hall of Famer, the world's strongest man, sexual chocolate. Mark Henry. This dude was amazing. This was such a fun to... And if nothing else, you want to just hear me get roasted. Yeah, he he really... He yeah he had I uh, I don't want to say a hard on for you, but he... <laughs> I think it was... It just
2: made me cower behind the computer more every time he started roasting <laughs> you. Like, I kind of slouched a little lower in my chair. He
0: didn't come to my defense at all. But I, that's okay. I, I, I understand. I believe I actually it. defended him where I was like, oh, they did call you on your bullshit, Hoffman. <laughs> exactly. There was uh I, I there was times <laughs> where I was thinking like maybe I bothered him too much and that's why he's like really he's hammering me and calling me a mark and stuff is because he's just like this dude maybe this kid He interrupted the tacos, maybe that was it. I don't dude, know. He interrupted my Monday or my Tuesday <laughs> and uh he, I'm gonna let him have it. I'm gonna embarrass this kid he's on his right. own show. And yeah, it was mm-hmm i don't know Uh, no embarrassments taken i it's i was so happy to have this guy on the show it was amazing yeah good guy great sense of humor loved it exactly so this is our third segment the second half of our interview with mark henry enjoy
2: your business could be advertising in this spot right now send us a message smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com and let us work with you to grow your business
0: I can't imagine being the writer that that pitched that to you, <laughs> you know, and thinking they could get away with that, like.
1: Well, well, the thing is is nobody, nobody really, you know, like pitched it. It was more of um, whoever wrote like the, the the introductions and how you introduce somebody. That's that's what was going on. So I would watch the show. And then I heard the self silver back and I went, "What? What? what did he say?" Right. No, no. Like, don't, don't ever say that again. Like, yeah. I'm not that.
0: Yeah, like I didn't and say that about that myself. Sh- that
1: shit went away immediately.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. Well, good for you. Good for you for advocating for yourself and standing up for yourself, and and for knowing that you got you got a fan base that looks up to you, and you know that's it's just degrading. And it's just, you know? just.
1: The- the pride of uh, of working hard and becoming a major celebrity outside of wrestling. Absolutely, I was somebody before wrestling. So, you know, that's the kind of thing. Like, did, did y'all watch that uh, uh, Jake Paul Ben Askren fight?
2: I didn't see it. I, I read some stuff on it, and I seen some video of it. I didn't watch it live, but
1: okay. Well, I watched the whole thing. I love the concept. I think that. Uh, to tastefully they're going to have to make it more clean more PG during the daytime hours if you want young people to watch mm-hmm. and then if you want to do it later on um, after 10 o'clock and call it like late night or after dark or whatever you want to call it uh, rated R TV boxing or whatever then do that and you can do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. but the the hope the whole point of the conversation is there's some things that you cannot do because it's hard to go back from Oscar De la Hoya was was one of the people on commentary and they were openly drinking and they were openly smoking weed and you could tell that Oscar was impaired <laughs> by the things that he was saying and Oscar's image was the golden boy. Clearly, Oscar was not the golden boy that night. Right. And it's going to be hard to to fix that. You know, and uh, he's going to have to at least, I think he should come out and apologize uh, to his fans, the fathers and, and mothers that, you know, that, that watched that because, you know, he says some, some out-of-line stuff and some arrogant, mean, uh, overly aggressive, machismo type of things. And that's not the way that he is perceived. You know, you, you play the lane that, you, that you're in. And what you doing with the phone, man? <laughs>
0: I, I'm just trying to get some screenshots here. Wattucki is notorious for screwing up our technical and like not getting video later on, so I'm just trying to get like a couple clips that we can tease later on. But I'll, right. I'll quit. I'll quit messing around with it. That, that is annoying. So, it looked, it looked yeah. a little weird. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying oh, no, I'm on. I'm sorry. Right. Yep. Calling you on your bullshit. I'll, I'll off turn it off, man. Sorry about that. <laughs>
1: with the. uh... Like the, the the guy at the gym shooting girls on the treadmill.
0: No, geez. Oh no, no, we don't man. go that wrong, man. No. <laughs> no, no, man. I'm I, joking, I don't. I don't even go to the gym. Okay, so there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Well, you but, can but, tell.
1: But I'm, I'm I'm just messing with you. But the whole point of the thing is, is there are certain things that you can do, and that you can say, that it's hard to come back from, and that could damage you. In a way, and um, I didn't want that for me in in pro wrestling. I didn't want to, you know, me to leave wrestling or retire from wrestling one day, and people go, "Hey man, you remember that time Mark Henry was, you know, Monkey Man or the Gorilla Man or whatever?" Right. I'm 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 beyond uh, doing something for the money, right. you know, not that, not because. I'm so rich that I, you know, wipe my nose with money. It's, that's not the thing. The The point is, my image and what they put on my tombstone is going to be important to me.
0: Exactly. It's it's having and, respect for yourself.
1: Right. right. And I, I, I just didn't want negativity like that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now, Mark, you were one of those guys that um, I personally always rooted for you. Even when you were a heel, I, I kept rooting for you. And... Even if you're you're up against somebody who was one of my favorite wrestlers, like Bret Hart or Undertaker or somebody, I still was like, Yeah, it's cool if Mark Henry wins. It's cool if Mark Henry beats up my guy because he's the world's strongest man. He's he's a badass, you know." So I might, I
1: might not have won, but they ain't got the hell beat out
0: of. <laughs> sure did, yeah. So I was wondering who uh, who did you kind of model your yourself after when entering the ring. I know that you were a big wrestling fan yourself growing up. So, I mean, besides the Giant, the Giant is an obvious one. Uh, kind of who else was, tried, was in your stable of guys that inspired you?
1: You know, I was a fan of a lot of guys. Um, you know, Ernie Ladd was like one of the guys that I was really highly influenced by. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Um and and then I wanted to do something different too. And a lot of guys, they really didn't want to have to fight somebody in the crowd if they had to. Or if they didn't have to. But I didn't mind getting hit. You know, I didn't mind hitting somebody if it, if it came to that. You know, but I never threw a punch at a fan. Um, But if somebody hit me or spit on me, believe me, I would grab their ass and I would scare the living hell Mm -hmm. out of them. And I was willing to take whatever smoke came with it. And a lot of people are not. Right. And that was the thing that I felt like I added to my entrance because I did eyeball people. There's always that one guy that, you know, he, he oversteps the bounds. Like you stay in your seat and everything will be fine. But if you hit me and I'm walking down that ramp or you spit on me, um, I was coming for you. And a lot of people, uh, we had security that saved a lot of people lives because I didn't need security. The security was for the fans. Yeah. Um. So I, um, I tried to add that intensity to my entrance, as well as how I was perceived in the ring, and and it worked.
2: Now, Mark, you are uh, you're working with uh, backstage with Raw right now. Is there anything else you're doing since you have retired, um, besides working uh, post backstage production?
1: Well, right now I'm a consultant for uh, SWE Wrestling and out of Dallas. And uh, they wanted to build a old-school wrestling company. And I studied my rear end-off the last 30 years, uh, not only as a fan, but as somebody that wanted to, at some point, get into the production and the decision-making process of pro wrestling. Um, and I earned that, and I have an understanding of pro wrestling that's Yoda like. And uh, I'm kind of a nerd. It's, it's, it's really weird that I, I float the middle ground between uh, athletics and academia. And I always, there's always been this underlying war between uh, academics and athletes. I don't know what that is. Uh, The the academics want to call people Neanderthals and, you know, you're a meathead or whatever. And then the the athletic, physically gifted calls the smart inferior and nerdy or geeky or whatever it is. And I'm both.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Breaking stereotypes. I, I I love comics. I love art. I love music.
1: Um, you know, I I like being around people with a brain that, you know, can show you something or explain something about the world that's different. And the fact that I love it is, is, uh, I think, uh, uh, a good stamp of approval because it makes you more well-rounded. But for whatever reason, there's some people that, they they don't like both. They don't like I mean they don't like one or the other and um man I, I'm I'm all for it man. I, I I wanna use that understanding and that knowledge uh to to help and I have an eye for what works and what will work and you know I'm I'm using that gift to help that company.
0: Absolutely. Well, kinda of speaking of that, um this is my last question anyways, do you have the Wotake's stepson is, is uh in a local wrestling school. He's kinda of, he just started, but he's taking his knocks and stuff and he's he's helping put together the ring and he's passing out flyers and he's doing all the all the pre stuff before you even really get to I mean, he's working out and he's Doing the training and the practices with him, getting his, he's getting his ass kicked and stuff. And but this is something that he really wanted. Um, do you have any advice for a young person aspiring to be a pro?
1: I would say humble yourself, work for the business. Don't be a don't be an ass kisser. Don't be a mark. Like um, I can carry your bags and go get you a cup of coffee and uh, ask if you need anything without being an ass kisser. Sure. Um, when when I do it, I want people to know, hey man, like I know you're busy and you got to get everything ready for the show tonight. Let me help make your day easier, and and but but don't don't think that I'm doing this because I want a favor. Like I'm doing this because I want to show the business. I want to show everybody that I love the business. I'm doing it for the business more than I'm doing it for you, and. Anybody that's over it will look at that and go, damn, all right. Give me a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But they'll respect you. And you you have to respect yourself by not letting yourself get walked on. But you also got to sacrifice for the business. Because there's many a night I drove the car for the veteran. Many a night when Yoko, when I used to be Yoko's young boy, I would, I would carry his bags to the room, check in the hotel, get the key, hand it to him as he's walking in, go park the car, come back. Hey, Mark, can you go give me something to eat? Go get something to eat, bring it back. Like you, you got to be able to help. Like he needed the rest. He was the main event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like guys need to think about that. How do we make the business better? Make it easier. If you haven't punched somebody in practice a thousand times, why would you do it in a match? If you haven't done suplexes on on mats until you perfected the movement, why would you ever do it to somebody? You're putting somebody's life in danger. So, like, that's my thing. Like, do everything a thousand times. You know, I punched a shower curtain for two years before I threw a punch at somebody. Well, that's that's a lie. I, I threw a punch at somebody, busted their nose. Then the coach hit me in the nose and asked me how I liked it. And I said, I, I don't like it. Don't ever hit me again. I'll kill you. And then he said, well, go practice. Go punch a shower curtain a thousand times. Like, why would you do so? In your mind, as a wrestler, you got to think about how do I protect the people I work with? How do I respect the people that I work with? And am I going to be a part of something, a part of an idea that's making the business better? And Mm -hmm. if you can get them to, to, to do that, they'll be fine.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Great advice. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Mark, for your time. You gave us more time than, than uh, we promised you that we'd wrap it up on. And um, you're probably still sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> so we'll let you get home. But thank you so, so much for your time. And I know I bothered you a lot, but I I wanted to be persistent and, and get you on our show. So, so thank you're you. You're all right,
1: man i don't do nothing i don't
0: want to do <laughs> i appreciate hearing that's that
1: that's my wife <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: right on all righty thank you very much mark you have a great day all right man y'all be good have a great show you, you too thank you and that was part two of our interview with mark henry the world's strongest man sexual chocolate uh, wwe hall of famer And that wraps up this week's episode. We'll be back next week with more of the small market podcast. Thanks for tuning in.
0: That's a sports ball. That's a sports ball. You've been
2: listening to the small market podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send us a message at smallmarketpodcast@gmail.com, gmail.com, or get more behind-the-scenes writings from Hoffman at smallmarketpodcast blogspot.com. Music for the Small Market Podcast has been provided by The 8-Arm Killer.